0: You're listening to the MLS Fantasy Insider, bringing you weekly tips, tricks, and advice for the official MLS Fantasy game. Hey everybody, it's Reed. So this show ran long and it still is kind of long at the end. So what I've done is I've cut out the first section of the show, which is the review and the amazing brought to you by. So if you want to hear that, tune into the YouTube broadcast that you can still catch, uh, the recording of that. What I've left in is sections two and three of this show. That is our housekeeping section, so you're ready for round eight and also the the longer questions and answers that we took for what you should have learned or what we have learned so far going into round eight. So enjoy this. And again, if you wanna catch the full episode, head over to YouTube. Thanks. So segment two, our housekeeping segment. Uh, First, congratulations to the league leaders. Uh, in the MLS Fantasy Boss and a Discord Classic League, Brian Coral FC is still leading. Over there at the Reddit Classic League, SD Ibar FC I believe is now moving to the top right there. Uh, over for the Patreon Open League, HG is leading with uh, 653 points. As for our head-to-head leagues, Discord is now a four-way tie, 7-0 and 0. That went down a lot. I think there were uh, 11 or 12 people tied uh last week but no it's four-way tie 7-0-0 over in patreon squirtle squad is still leading 6-1-0 and over in the patreon hosts experts invitational head-to-head uh skyler is no longer the lone leader on top he is tied with our good friend Mito. uh they are both six zero and one but skyler is leading on points with 635 635- points right there so that's how the leagues are shaping up uh, fantastic seeing these these leagues coming together it's it's a lot of fun especially the head-to-heads my favorite okay so round eight what in the world is going on with round eight the first thing you need to know is that round eight starts on saturday june 12th at three o'clock p.m eastern time with sporting kansas city hosting Austin. As I said at the top of the show, this round spans two weeks. So we have games this Saturday and then all across the next the next calendar week on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we have the 12th and then the 7th, 18th, 19th, and 20th, I think is what it is. I don't have my calendar pulled up. But Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week is still part of round eight. So this is a two-week round. This is one of the reasons why I always say round and not week, uh, which maybe throws some people off. But um, I originally thought when I just first looked at the schedule that, oh, there must have been a typo. This must be a Wednesday game. That's, that's crazy. And then I sat down and relooked at it. Again. No, wait, no, those dates are correct. What in the world? Uh, I don't know. if I can't remember the last time we've had a round span two weeks, if we've ever had a round
1: span I feel like we've had this in international breaks before, but it usually this week, there's more than one game, right? Like I feel like there's been weeks where there was like a one or two game, like not enough to feel the team. And so it overlapped into a one. Uh, right, right. I think I remember where stuff like, yeah, like the, they'll throw a Tuesday game
0: into a yeah. previous week and then you'll have a Friday game, but never really like the week. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I think that I
2: think, so. I think we've had a Wednesday to Wednesday before Maybe. where yes. we had midweek games and then a weekend. And then we had a few midweek games to finish off the set, but there were only like two or three on that last I one. It might have been with so uh, the I World Cup
0: or something. Or not, right with out. a Gold Cup or something when a lot of teams were missing. Maybe that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. But it's no, so this is
1: we've had a one. And then... right.
0: <laughs> right. No. So this is definitely a wild one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, this is a straight,
2: I don't recall. And and to be yeah. fair to MLS, I don't think this is a massive scheduling nightmare. This is a rescheduled game from July that got bumped into June. So this was not on the original calendar. They kind of plopped the game here because they had nowhere else to put it and make sure they could get this game in. Yeah, and Toronto's had a change as well. Toronto's
0: had a change as well. They were originally on a bye this round, uh, but they are not on a bye. Nobody is on a bye this round. So so that's what you're looking at. Everybody's playing. Sporting Kansas City and Austin have a double game week for this round. So uh, also round eight is the beginning of the second quarter qualifier for the fantasy champions league. And I believe in the past, I've said the top 100 players qualify. That is a mistake that that might've been last year. Um, It's the top 50 players who qualify for the fantasy champions league to end up with 200 players at the end. So top 50 is what you're shooting for. This is your chance. Your scores have not reset, but you should notice in your league screen a, a new special league that you're in, another overall league that is called quarter two, round two, whatever it is, it's qualifier qualifier two, I think. And everybody is zeroed out in that. So the points that you earn over these next seven rounds uh, are going to count towards your qualification to the fantasy championship league in the second quarter.
1: It's even more specific than that. It says FCL qualifier two fantasy weeks eight through twelve.
2: There we go. And if you qualify you if you qualified, you should not be in one of these. So that's only five. That's
0: only five rounds. I thought it might have been. Yes, that's right. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, if you already qualified, you won't be in it. Uh, this is just for everybody who uh, who did not. And it's five rounds, so I did. So that didn't
1: means there's go. 50 people you aren't competing with, and they are good. Uh,
0: just had an update. They said Montreal should be on a bye. That's Maybe correct. I happen. do not see them with the scheduled game. Oh, good call. So that got adjusted as well. Thank you so much. So let's update the this message right now, so we can send that out later. Montreal has a buy, and that will make any switcheroos you all want to do very, very easy. easy. Uh, yes. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, chat, for that. Uh, so that's what's going on with this this round. It's it's definitely weird, but I, I hope that after we've hit it twice in the show, those of you listening um, have have the general idea. Yes, you need to have your teams set. By this weekend, but only if you want sporting Kansas City and Austin players, everybody else, you will have time to continue to think continue to see who comes back who's available who's not injured, uh, to be able to get those players into your team. So uh, yeah, plenty of time and no you do not only have to have 12 players on your team, or sorry six players on your team, total this round I saw that question on Twitter, very good question and I hope this clears it up yes you can have more than six players on your team so um blaine i don't even know if you want to touch on injuries suspensions and call-ups maybe just sporting kansas city and austin yeah. Uh, yeah
2: um that's all i had planned on doing for tonight um austin's got their same mix of guys as far as i know uh ben sweats the big one out for the season other than that it's a bunch of guys that it's two guys that just aren't playing much sporting has the injury list has gotten down quite a bit um Isimat Miran is the only one, only big name that I know that's questionable. Um, but there's a lot of rotation at center back right now. Ilié is playing out of his mind as a center back instead of a midfielder. So uh, make of that what you will. Culito um, is still with Mexico. He is not. He has not played yet. But they have a game scheduled for Saturday.
1: He came into the semifinal in? game as a substitute. Okay.
2: okay. But, yeah, he is – they have a friendly scheduled for Saturday. So it's very unlikely he will be back. Um, Gotti Kenda got called up for Israel, scored a banger from outside the box uh, last weekend. And I think they are scheduled to play on Wednesday. So I don't know what the return trip and protocol is going to look like for him. I do believe that is Israel's last game for a little bit. So he should be coming back but I don't know if he will be in for this weekend. All right, Jason, anything you want to add? Ashley, anything you want to add?
0: I mean, no. Nope. I just just want to check. Be sure before I I move on. I appreciate
3: it.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't realize. I I thought that Polito had gotten called up, and then I wasn't sure. So um, that'll change the Kansas City players I was going to take. I think I'd probably still take three Kansas City players, but if Polito's not in that lineup on Saturday, I might, um, maybe some, whoever else is leading the line, like, I don't, I don't know, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, if Polito's not in the lineup, I'll do something
0: different. All right, well, with that, we're going to move on to our modified segment number three, the fantasy lessons that we have learned so far after seven rounds. Okay, so we're going to talk now what lessons have we learned so far after seven fantasy rounds and uh, these questions got several of them from Jason. This was his suggested uh, topic for our conversation tonight since we don't have as many players don't worry we're still going to touch on some sporting Kansas City and uh, Austin players that you want to consider going into this weekend if you want to pick them up. Uh, But we also got a few questions on Reddit and Twitter that we're going to share and one very special Star Wars question at the end of the show that uh, the host emeritus, Mike, sent in to us. So uh, this is a nice little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I hope you all enjoy it. Sorry, I'm just getting some, some little social media plugging for this last part. So let's start out, just a real quick part. Sporting Kansas City and uh, Austin players, who are you all looking at for this round? Let's start with you, Blaine.
2: Um. This is a hard one for me. Um, I, I kind of want to see the lineup, but I'm really tempted. amelia um, has got to be on your list. You get, And really, any defender on both sides of the ball of, the, of this matchup are viable. Throw them on your bench, see what happens. Austin is on the road, so it's not the greatest one to look at. And they do play a little bit later in the weekend, so you don't have a lot of switch options after you see both scores. But they are home against San Jose in the second game. So I'm kind of looking at the second games, too. Uh, If you go sporting, I would really limit myself to a defender or Melia, or maybe one of each if you really want to go crazy on it. And then Bucio is probably the only one I would recommend outside of that. Shallowee, if you want to take a flyer, but I don't think he's as productive without Pulido there. Uh, Bucio's average is good. His price is okay. You can slot him in on the bench and see what he does. You can see two scores this way. I think he's a guy that would benefit from getting to see two scores. Uh, Even if you're planning to keep him for both, they play third game, third to last game of the weekend on their second leg. So I, I like that one. Uh, Komanich for Austin is another one I want to throw out there. Um, He's on, he's a defender that's on some set pieces and I think that could play in huge for the San Jose game. Um, I like him on my bench this week and I think you got you to throw him in for that first game and see what happens. And you got to lock him in early. So he is one I would look at. And then the other one, depending on what lineup Kansas City rolls out with, is Cecilio Dominguez. Um, I think he's ready to go off. He's had some he, – he's had a, one really good game with two goals. Um But I like that San Jose matchup for them. I really do. I would be willing to ride him out through the sporting game on the bench just to see him play against San Jose. Um, We've talked about it a little bit, and I know we'll talk about it more. The premium players are not hitting all the time, and it's getting harder and harder to predict. I think this is a week with Dominguez being 7.5. You could stash him on your bench and have a 7.58 million backup forward, possibly Ola Kamara out there and you just you run with him on the bench see what he does and if you don't like it you go with the other you go with somebody else later there's enough cheaper options you can run some switcheroos and fit somebody in like that but that's really all I'm looking at this week I think there's too much rotation in the Austin midfield and I just I don't I don't trust that first game and I don't know what rotation you'd see for the second game so I just I can't really go with anybody else besides that. And I don't like sporting on the road for that second game as much. Ashley.
1: Um, I'm going to throw out something that's a little, a little different from what Blame touched on. Cause I agree with everything except for Dominguez. Cause I think he is a sucker. <laughs> um, but I like Nick Lima in this game because it is a return for San Jose, the team that has scorned him. Um, I don't know if that was actually, if he wanted to go, if they wanted to get rid of him, I have no idea. Um, but I always kind of like that, especially in a home opener for him. He's done. Okay. I mean, he's, he's definitely not been the Nick Lima that we know from fantasy in the past, Um, but he's only 5 million. So that's an easy plop on the bench for me. And if he hits again, SKC, which I don't really think he will. Great. Um, but I expect him to at home. I'm also paying attention to some of these really cheap midfielders that they have. Um, Stroud and Fagundes have both played in all seven games in some fashion. Um, Fagundes is 5.7. And if you remember with scoring goals in the beginning, not so much now. Um, and Stroud's 4.4. I mean, he's got to be one of the most productive but cheap at that price point um, playing in seven games. So if you're still looking to price build um, or if you're like me and you just haven't really built up as much as you want. I mean, I, I feel like I'm doing okay in in a big group comparison, but I'm always going to take a couple of cheap bench players that are on a double to just throw in. Um, so I'm paying attention to those. And then I also do like um Kolmanich Kulma, playing. I think that's it. I think so too. Um, uh, just because he's a million cheaper than Maddie Beesler and he's producing similar points. Um, and I like him for those offensive possibilities as well. Um, I defer to everything Blaine said about sporting Kansas City. So, that's <laughs> also how, how I feel.
0: Jason. Um, well, this
3: conversation has been illuminating because I started with, I was going to say, Polito, Busio, <laughs> and Melia, um, and no Austin FC players. Um, so, I'll watch, see if Polito's in the lineup or not. I'll take Blaine's word for it that that I should maybe avoid. SKC Strikers, if Pulido's not in the lineup. Definitely will take Lucio. I definitely would take Melia. Um, and, yeah, Austin FC, I mean, I think it's tricky, you know, like uh, they're going to go in, they're going to open the new stadium, um, and you have to assume they're going to get jazzed by having a full crowd, they're going score goals, this and that and the other. It's San Jose. Um, but... Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I have to think, I have to think more about it. I mean, I think that's the trap of, for me, that's the trap of like looking at these value players kind of um, and saying, well, I could save money if I go with Fagundas or go with some of these other players um, when I don't necessarily need to save money. I don't know if that. (laughs) No, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. Right. You know, so um, I just think about it. And I think something to keep in mind too. I mean, not that we are not keeping this in mind, but we're calling it a double game week, but, really it's it's just the round is really long right so you don't have to worry about any of these players that you're taking it's unlikely that they would play on saturday and then not play the next game because it's a week later right um so i think that's something something to consider i do
1: want to point out i meant to say this sorry that skc's second game is at portland which is travel and and uh, still even with limited kind of a rough environment um, not SKC's favorite place to play. Blame, would you? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, they're they're not quite the same Portland team, but um, yeah. that game makes me a little nervous for for the double.
2: Yeah,
0: that. See, I was going to say that's that's the one of the talking points for me for Sporting Kansas City is Portland. Is in a big slump. I know that maybe this is the time to to kind of try to get their head back around mm-hmm. around the game over this this last couple of weeks. But but that is one thing where maybe I am willing to have another Sporting Kansas City defender out there to to see what happens with
2: Cam Portland. Just asked the important question in chat, and it's does Portland have Diego Chara back? They are so I much better with him. You. And given the long layoff and the type of injury he had, I would expect him to be back. That's one reason why I'm kind of fading Sporting. You want to take this first game at home, but no Polito. Um, the, the, these two teams have already faced each other once too, with Sporting in mm-hmm. Austin, and it was a two one game. I mean, Austin came in to play, and it was in Sport, it was at Children or at Sporting Park, whatever you call it now. Um, it was, it was not the prettiest game from Sporting. They got saved late by a goal. I think Keita subbed in and got a goal to go back to win it. I it just I, I don't like, without Polito, I don't like sporting enough at home. I think you go with the bonus point producers and then going to Portland with potentially having Chara back and you can't make any adjustments. I just, I don't trust it. Even if it's a full strength sporting squad on the road, is not where I want to pick up these guys. I just, you want to avoid those road games. And I don't think it's worth the double game, the double game risk here. I know there's not going to be rotation, but I just, I don't think there's enough at home to lock up that many players this early in the week. So it's been mentioned in chat a few times now. So 30 seconds, Blaine, Russell. Without Polito, I don't like him as much. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to rely on him in Portland. Like that's, that's my thing. I just, I don't trust it enough. Don't trust any of them enough, really. Without Polito there, I don't know where the creativity is going to come from. So, I'm going to pass on Russell. I'm going to hope for the best and I'm going to be rooting for him, but I'm going to pass on him for fantasy. That's fair. All right. Did you get to mention everybody you wanted to Jason?
0: Uh, yeah. For sure.
1: I just read very quickly. It sounds like Diego Char should be back after the international break is what Stumptown footy is saying. Um, but they did, they're bringing back a guy who used to play as his sub Fochiev. chief. I don't know if you guys remember. Him. He probably wasn't a big fantasy pick. Um, but they're bringing him in to address the midfield injury issues. But the article does say that they expect Diego Char will be ready after the international break. Yeah. Well, there we go. It was three days ago. We'll
0: We'll see. There it is. Big question Marks. Uh, okay, well, that's all we're going to do for Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta. I do think the the one big takeaway you can take is if you are going to be going with some of these players, your bench is going to be your best spot uh, for for having them either as a keeper uh, or just as your switcheroos to see what happens from yeah. these games. So, And it's, it's almost the perfect scenario because you have a week. Before you have to worry about your
1: next player, so plenty of time really, to preview those points. Really a six point one. I mean, that's a budget keeper who's going to start if I've ever seen one, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, no. So lots of lots of good points there.
1: Uh, all right, let's move on to our first question that we
0: have. Uh, one of them. This was, I think, this was one of yours, Jason's. What formations have we been using the most after these first seven weeks of fantasy? Mm-hmm. So I went back and looked at everything that I have used and I have been mixing them up a lot uh, for sure. Uh, the only times I've doubled up, I've used the four, four, two twice, and I've used the four five one twice as well. I did not check to see who subbed in with, with switcheroos. That's just the team I went with right there. Um, what I can tell you is that uh, I've gone with four defenders or four midfielders four times uh, of these first seven rounds and I've gone with three forwards only once. So um, I still feel like I'm very much playing my style, going with a heavy midfield team. I think that's where we've been seeing a lot of the points this round already. And, and that's probably why I've only played three forwards once and I'm usually using forwards. I'm usually using at least one forward as a switcheroo. And then I'm going to throw someone um, cheap on the bench to to be to be a an actual switch i have a a forward scrub to help with with my with my switches as well and then i'll usually go with one or two defenders uh so i'm playing kind of cheap in the back with my defenders as well because uh, i've i've had the rough time hitting hitting some clean sheets and clean sheets have been so few and far between this round as well so i've been focusing a lot on heavy midfield lineups what about you all jason this is yours i'll let you go um yeah
3: you know i i just went back read while you were talking and did a quick scan of how i was setting things up um i mean i think i've probably slowly moved in the direction of heavy in the midfield and i would certainly say um thinking about the next like the next this little next chunk of the season with with the second kind of champions league two or whatever is the next phase of the season i'm gonna go that way as well as far as how i'm setting up the team and uh, where i'm putting my money so um and it looks like in most cases um i rarely use um like a striker as um a switcheroo position i won't put a scrub in um maybe i'll put them on the bench like i'll find some value in the in the strikers so um but definitely i think the midfield for me is the place to keep looking yeah
0: i mean it makes sense too i mean you when you have cheap players like like Cowell or like Clark that you can have be just a, a, a cheap forward, so you don't have to worry about dropping a lot of money. You can throw throw Clark in, who's been giving some um, yeah good production. Uh, but then even on on some of the the riskier side, if you wanted to go with uh, Stojanovic or someone like that, you you've got a four man. You can get a four man core and have a, a switch B that still be a um, a midfielder that tend to have, and that's because midfielders tend to have some higher floors. Um, especially if you're not going with the defensive ones, I mean, you're getting guys, finding guys who are giving crosses, giving key passes, and with hope scoring goals, then then you're going to have a a solid switch option right there.
1: I tend to run a four-four-two most of the season, or as I like to call it, the Seattle special um, <laughs> season, um, just because I I tend to swap in and out bench and field players before roster block a little bit, if that makes sense, like. So I'll, I'll load up a whole team and then I kind of waver on who I want on my bench and who I want to start. I I don't often just like budget or like, uh, maybe this guy will hit with my bench picks. It's usually someone that I really think will hit, but maybe not as much as heel or Montiero or whatever. Um, so the reason that I like a four, four, two is I can have a defender, a midfielder and a striker on my bench. Um, so those are just three different positional options for me to kind of think about, um who could or couldn't hit. Um, but whenever I have like a bench point I need to come in, I will always scrub um another defender. I try to never do two scrubs. I know some people have been doing two scrubs a lot this year. Um, like for for money like to have more money. Um, but I don't love that tactic just because um, I feel like it, it doesn't kind of help you in the long run, but it might help you on the week. Um, Also, I feel like if you need two empty spots, not because someone hit, but because you're just like, I I don't know, right? Like if you should just start that player, two two of your bench players are going to come in for you intentionally, just start them, if that makes sense. Um, So I tend to play with my scrub as a defender, which financially defenders are rising so much, right? Like some of the defenders that all of us are starting or as much as some of the midfielders. So um, it's saving me more money than it has in years past by putting a the scrub there. But um, yeah, that I don't know if it's the best tactic. But when I went back to look at how I played after this question, I was like, oh, I've done a 4 every week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the thing you can do with two defender scrubs, if you have two defender uh, guys on a bye, mm-hmm. if you have your midfielders play early enough, you have the, and, and if you again, if you're bye week players, you have the ability, if you save money, to change one of those defenders. And so you're not necessarily locked into two of your guys coming in. You could still decide, hey, um, Cal got a hat trick. That's fantastic. I want to make sure I get him. The other guys, those, those two guys got fives. You know what? I have more confidence that maybe this is going to come out that that Seattle is going to get that clean sheet. So I'm going to throw in Brad Smith real quick. And so, yeah. I mean, it, so for those of you who are listening, if you do want to totally right. If you have two scrub defenders, you, you have to have three players. And so for on your defense, and so, you know, you're going to be getting two players coming in. If, if you're, if you have three players that are on a buy already on your team, you're going to get your whole bench in. You're going to want to have money to swap those field players for somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's almost like expanding your bench. You get to preview all players on your
2: bench. If you have money in your bank, you can then make yeah, Reed, swaps I've got right there. Perfect example on that, because what two weeks ago, good. I run, I run almost exclusively a five-three-two build on my lineup, which includes two defender scrubs. Uh, sometimes it's a five, four, one, but I it's primarily been a five-three, two because I that's what I want to see. I usually try to put my more prospective players on the bench to see who's going to hit, kind of run it like an auto rule with a few of them. But I tend to see those early scores. So I'm not scrubbing out something, somebody like week one, I had Shallowee on my bench and he scored a goal in that first game. Turned out great to have that seven points on my bench, but he could have just as easily gotten me that too. And then I'm not really out anything. I'm kind of play, you play the money game with that. Stojanovic has been a good character to put out there you just, if he hits great, I sub him in. If he doesn't hit. Okay. I'm still looking at the price game for that guy. And I look at price game guys. but I have, al- I have almost exclusively two, two defender scrubs. And two weeks ago I got a four to two on my bench. My head to heads weren't looking great. So I dropped one of my scrub defenders for Glessnets for a nine and got a five point sling off what my bench had. Um, it gives you that option. And usually you can find cheaper defenders late in the week. If you're only trying to beat a two somewhere between a two and a four from your bench, you can find a cheap defender that's got a halfway decent clean sheet chance or somebody who likes to get forward. You're really not gonna, you're only gonna be losing a couple of points at worst. If you get shelled, you play, you play your minutes, you may lose four points at most if you take a zero with a really bad defensive game. But at that point, if you don't like them. You're not going to switch away from a four to grab a guy who's going to get shelled so i i like the flexibility of it i don't have a lot of wiggle room when it comes to swapping midfielders and forwards uh but that's okay i would rat i like the way i build these it's just a different style of play from what ashley does and i think ashley's got a very valid viable style and it gives you a lot more flexibility to tinker I just prefer to hedge my bets on some of the early games, see who's going to get a good score. When I know those scores, great. Let's go with it. If not, we'll just move on to who I have. And I just. Something that's
1: important to reference in this structure, right. Is benching players that play early, not players you're unsure about. Right. Yeah. So I think that people fall into that trap sometimes where they're like, well, I don't know if K. Cal will do well, but he's the last game of the week and he's on your bench. Yeah. So if you do play with that two scrub formation, you're kind of damning yourself and it's so important. And I catch myself doing it sometimes too, right? Where I just put some on the bench because I don't feel great. And then I'm like, what am I doing? He's the third to last game. Um, it's so important if you're going to do a two scrub system like that, or even in general to have your bench players be some of the earlier game so you can have that flexibility later yeah. in the
2: week, right? Now, there was one week where I did that. I put some prospective players on the bench and it was I tapped myself out of money. I had nothing left in the account after the after I built my lineup. But I wanted I went really, really heavy. I had that was three weeks ago, I think I had Gil Montiero, Reynoso, Rui Diaz, Iguain, and Polito. Like my money was gone after I put those guys in. And then I went heavy on defense too with Glesnes. and brad smith like i had so much money tied up i ran with a three-man autoroo and just left it alone i knew i wasn't going to be able to touch it i knew there was nothing that i could do about it if anything went wrong it was just a you put your you put your potential guys you slot it in there because you like their price and you think they might have a good week you put it on the bench and hope that two of the three come out with solid scores and that's not a bad way to go. If you don't like making changes, just run three, got your three lowest potential attacking scores on the bench and let the game auto sub in the two best ones. Just never try to make any changes and go with, go with that and spend all of your money. Just put three attacking scores on the bench and two scrub defenders and don't even bother with the budget to try to make moves. You, I found a lot of guys. If you really do the switcheroos right, you have to have a plan. If you don't want to plan it out that far, auto-roo's will be better for you in the long run. Yeah,
0: yeah. You do have to have a plan to make the switcheroos yeah. work completely. Um, I, I think I'm the a switcheroo
3: thing- person myself. Like I there don't the thing, unless there's something um, where I'm just in a situation where I'm like, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to check lineups. I tend to do tend to do the the switcheroo. You know um i was going to say and maybe this leads into this maybe other questions but um one of the things that i like about um this the setup this is the second year of this champions league setup right where you have these kind of installments of the season yeah. um so one of the things i like about it is um you can kind of experiment right so i'm going to try something i want to try something for this uh the second phase of the season which is just the way that i build out the team um I'm going to try and put five midfielders on the field every week just to start. So I'm going to start five midfielders. I'm going to put all my money. The first time I build the team, I'm just going to put the, the five midfielders that I think are going to be the best scoring midfielders for the whole week. And then try and figure out like just kind of to triangulate a little bit, like spend some money on one, one attacking one forward, spend some money on one defender that I really want, put them on out in the field, get my keeper set up and then the rest play around a little bit. And I'm just going to stick with it. Like, unless for some reason, I'm totally bombing, right. And like my, I'm consecutively just dropping a lot in terms of the overall ranking. I just want to see how it turns out. Maybe it's great. Maybe it's not. And then for, you know, round for the third installment of the season, well, I figure something else out, but I'd like to try and do that. And one of the things I have started doing too, you know, is, um, because I'm less worried about money. I just, but I put 15 players out in my initial build that I can afford, that I know we're going to play one way or the other, just to see what I have to play around with. You know, how yeah. would I mess this money? How would I mess around with this money? And then you can always kind of back out of that. You know,
0: yeah.
3: Um, oh, that guy hit. You know, I'll put this person in there
0: yeah, as well. I, I just kind of build like almost a dream team, not really a dream, just like I kind of build. If I don't think about the money, where is it? And then I start thinking about the results and do I want to double up? Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. Um, And I love what you said about the experimentation, because I think that is a good element of the Fantasy Champions League and what these sort of four qualifiers do help you do. I I like the idea of having the two defenders in the bag if you're doing the switcheroos. It does require a plan. and I think if you're a player who wants to experiment with this in this second quarter, you're either going to want to look at the 5-3-2 the or the 5-4-1, and I think it's going to depend upon where you land on how valuable forwards have been so far this season, because you could easily have your scrub defenders and have some cheap forwards, which may hit from you to do the rotations, um, or if you're feeling better about some of the forwards, then then you can go with that that five three two 2 um, but you need to have that money set aside to be able to make those changes automatically um, for for your team. So, um, and they're going to have to be defenders. So you're going to have to be confident with, with potentially having five defenders on your team, five clean sheets, five, five potential, um, defenders who get forward for those offensive points. So you have to mm-hmm. to make that set, but uh, this, this would be a fun time to experiment with that. I may do that myself, uh, because I do like the switcheroo. We have a whole lot of double game weeks coming up. So keep that in mind though, because that will make some of your, switch your ruling
2: your a rooing very difficult yeah. so um, could be could be fine on that fine. if you're like for anybody who struggles with this i recommend the five four one i'm a five three two guy but i like to play with forwards forwards are a lot more hit or miss um i was kind of running through the stats only Chicharito is in the top ten for average fantasy points he's the only forward up there and then you have to go down. And does anybody on chat want to guess who the number two on average fantasy points is for forwards, without looking? Ruben. Yeah. Ruben. Yeah, he's number two. And then you've got to you go down a lot farther. Like I'm just scrolling through it here. I didn't even know who's number third three. Rui Diaz is number three, and he's like 25 guys down the list for your average. So I say that to say when we talk about a 5-4-1 versus a 5-3-2 or playing five midfielders every week, if your goal is to make Champions League, you can score more points if you go with forwards. But if you have a few busts, you're going to start falling behind very, very quickly. If you want to play it a little safer, you can run with more midfielders. You're going to get a better average overall because midfielders tend to get more bonus points in general, just the way they play. Yep. Um, you're going to have a better average, and it's probably going to put you closer to striking distance for Champions League by the end of the round. Because I don't think anybody at the start of this seven-game set would have said Rubio Rabine would be the second-best forward in the game. I've been saying it for months. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, this is a good conversation. We need to move on to our third question, yeah. though. I may pull this out as just a little fantasy mini episode for people to, if they just want to see about about formations and some switcheroo stuff. So good, good talk. Great question. Uh, this next one is, are you still trying to build value or should people still be trying to build value at this point? Uh, again, for me, I'm sitting right now at 119.1 million. I feel like I have plenty of money. Of, of course, as with all of us, when we're going through and just building our dream team, I'm like, uh, if I had 0.3 more, uh, damn, then, then but, I think if you're around 120 million, you're fine. You can get the majority of the big name players you want, or at least the key big name players that you want. And there are enough value priced, productive players to help you spread your your money. Especially if you're going to go with with cheap defenders or things like that with with your switcheroos. I think that's the key is doing the switcheroos and the otteros to be able to save money at times. But I think if you're around 120. You're, I mean, Blaine, you, you got higher than all of us with 116 yeah. this week. So maybe it's even lower, it's, but I think
2: 120 is kind of where you want. I think go. 120 is like the top end. I think 118 is a healthy budget. I, I know I'm yeah. behind. I feel like 118 is kind of that cutoff. If you're at 118 yeah. or above, you're doing, you're doing well. You're in the pack. You're, you're hunting where you want to be. If you're at 120 or above, you're, you've got more than enough money to do whatever you want to do. Um, we had one guy in chat earlier say he's got a 127. Like yes. if you want to, if you want to, if you want to throw it, throw the game at money. You can, you can increase it if you know what to do.
1: Like I'd like to see the screen grab of that. I that seems <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: Pixar didn't happen. That there seems a lot to me. 127. It's, I think okay. it's doable. Point.
1: I, sure, you're right. If, you, if that's all you've been focusing on, yeah. I, I, I sure. want to
2: see the overall ranking for that value too because you have to be sure. way up there as well. You can't miss very much. But yeah. no, I mean – I think. Yeah, I mean it means, you're, it means you're, play, you're picking the right players. But yeah, yeah. honestly, sure. there I, are times because I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm on the low end. There are times I'm grateful I have a smaller budget. There are times in years past, it hasn't been this year so much, that I have gone through and I'm like, I've got to spend this money. I've got an extra 3 million on the bench. I can't let it go to waste. And having a smaller budget means I am looking at some of this, these other guys. And this has been the year of the differential player. There have been so many cheap options that are doing so well. And it's, it's insane. You, you look at your dream team every round and, um, Paul Ariola made it with at a 7 million this last week. Uh Mukhtar's 8.2. These are names we know. Um Arudi is a 7.2. Uh Ola Kamara is at 7.6 for just this last dream team. That's crazy that we've got it. Um there's another one from a couple weeks ago. You've got a couple of guys over 10 million, but you've got sevens and and a 4.9 and Cade Cow. Like
1: I think I think when we talk value going forward it's it's more paying attention to slumps so when some of the more expensive guys if they do start slumping um and you start losing full 0.5 millions off people that are in a slump and maybe you pick them up because you like the matchup but they have only been getting twos the last three weeks do you know what i mean yeah for me yeah. Once you start getting into weeks, like 10 and forward, it's more just paying attention to slumps than trying to build value. Because if you're picking kind of like you've been saying, if you're picking the right guys, which aren't always the most expensive guys, you're going to build value off their production, but paying attention to production and who's slumping and who's not, um, is what will start to hit you in the middle to back end of, of the year. Right. Yeah. Jason, you're our, our Mr. Moneybags right here. Yeah. Where do you fall from
3: <laughs> I mean, I, you know, um, I think I alluded to it earlier. Like, I think it can, um, you know, it's a trap, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an admiral, you know, you can get into this idea, like Blaine said, like, I got to spend all this money, man. I can't leave. You know, three million dollars on my bench. Like I could buy uh well, I could buy Daryl DK. I mean, but you know, I could buy somebody for this. You can't even buy Daryl Delic- DK. I mean he's not, I mean, I guess he's gonna come you back, can. Him, but um you might know, you can you won't get you won't get any points for him. But um yeah, I mean I think it's um uh, I don't want to lose any more value, but I'm not I'm not worried about about increasing my value. In fact, I'm trying to think a little bit more about um uh to take advantage of that money that I had. I mean, I think that's kind of the um my idea of this trying this experiment out right which is let me let me see what i get how many players can i get for 15. uh how many what what, how much how many what kind of players can i get can i fill out my whole roster you know 15 players um and what can i work with right so maybe if i have this extra money um sure you know i'm gonna put if i had the luxury of being able to put like i don't know whoever like seven there's a seven and a half million Striker who's playing at home early in a round, and maybe this person hits. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have a good average. Uh, but heck, you know, like Maxi Rudy. Let's just take Maxi Rudy, dude. I would not touch Maxi Rudy in fantasy. I mean, if you paid me, if you paid me, if some, if I could borrow money from, or you gave me money to buy Maxi Rudy, I would buy Maxi Rudy, right? But I'm not going to do that. Come on, I mean, the guys, you know, like anybody who's played the game. I mean, I think you'd have to be crazy, right? Or a homer yeah. for Houston. <laughs> but if you told me, hey, Houston's at home, they're playing early in the round, they're playing at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? You know, in the summer in Texas, and Maxie Rudy seven sure, Max and a half million dollars. Sure, Maxie Rudy's gonna be mm-hmm. on my bench, and if I get. Uh, nothing from him? Okay, and I've got some extra money. I mean, he's one point
1: two, and he has 42 points. I just want to, I don't know why I feel the <laughs> need to defend yeah. Rudy. Hey, I mean, maybe, i you know, I'm just not, no, I'm don't just do afraid of Maxie
3: Rudy. Don't play 1% of people
1: and it shouldn't yeah. Be. yeah. It's the
3: same way that I can't i can't wrap my head around, like, some of those Nashville guys, like Yonder Cadiz and Mukhtar. I mean, I know that I'm supposed to be kind of picking them up, but there's something, I've got this Nashville block that's like Walker Zimmerman, Walker Zimmerman or maybe Dave Romney, I, I don't know.
0: You know, but yeah, anyway, uh, that's a good transition though. Because our next question is Are there any players who are match proof or must have players? Uh, for me, I, I think maybe the consensus is heel right now. Is Carlos heel. Me, is,
3: I mean, I'm, you know, unless the dude gets hurt or yeah. he starts putting up goose eggs and twos. Well, in the beginning of the, the season, me.
1: right? I, I don't remember if it was, I think it was Isaac that talked about this when he was on when he wasn't playing as a 10. And he wasn't producing. Oh, he was out on the wing. Yes, right? he wasn't on, producing yeah. the same. And then as soon as they moved him, it was like whoosh, what we're seeing now. And I think in that role, which I don't know why Bruce Serena would move him from it. Um, as long as he's in that role, right? He is, right? I mean, we all agree. I mean, he, that's a that's a yeah. must stone Yeah, I, mean, no, I, I, I think he's
0: everyone there. Now. And then how hey, you were talking about Nashville. After heel, I think there are a lot of question marks there. I think there are a lot of guys who are top of your your short list if you're if they have a, a home game or something like that I, I feel like nashville is one of those teams but like like Le- leal has been a guy who i've gone to often mm-hmm. uh a nashville defender be it romney or or maybe lovett's uh like i feel like i've drifted towards that often this season maybe philly um, yeah. but I think, I think really the only must have guy like week in, week out at, right now is, is heel. Um, what do you all think?
2: Yeah. Um, Carlos heels, definitely there. Uh, Montiero for Philly is pretty close. Um, Yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 59 yeah. points over eight games, 7.3 average, um, pull up his numbers really quick. Um, uh, I mean, he, He's
1: thirty points behind Carlos Hill. Yeah, almost.
2: he's thirty points behind, no doubt. But he has got yeah. one, two in there, and the rest the the other two lowest scores are a five, a six, and a six. Mm-hmm. I mean, like one, two, and that was versus Carlos Hill. Like you can. Well, uh,
1: Jao Paulo has the same amount of points as
2: him. Yeah, he's yeah Jao Paulo's is close as well.
1: No, he's not. I mean, I'm, I mean, just,
2: there, there's a few guys like. Monterey, when, when your lowest score is a five and it's against Columbus in that or a two um, versus New England, who, which is another power team, like you can avoid some of those must-own players. Like When Carlos Heel goes to Columbus, that's probably the first week you drop him off your team just because Columbus's defense is that good. He mm-hmm. still may get four or five bonus points, but depending on what other matchups come in with that, that may be the time when you start to go, okay – Guys are fixture-proof to a point, and everybody's got that point. And when you face one of the best defenses in the league on the road, that's that point where you start dropping these guys. But yeah. at the same time, Carlos Heels' four-to-five bonus point potential may be hands-down better against Columbus than any of the other oh. midfielders for that round.
0: Right, because you say that, but how many times have you had a Columbus defender in your team?
2: Oh. Uh, i grab them grab him more often than not.
0: I, I have rarely had them. I mean, with like, I the rough start that they've had. I mean, yeah. we're we're not talking about Zellarion. Yeah. We're we're yeah. not talking about Tinnerholm. We're not talking about uh Vela at this time. We're not talking about like, Barco or Joseph, things like that. I mean, a lot of these players I think we would normally go to were not Monteiro is definitely the, the top of that yeah. uh, list of like you, you make a good argument. Right? I'd be like, yeah, I, I think Montiero will be a solid. Like I'm going to get Heal, I'm going to get Montiero. Yeah. but it's always I'm going to get Heal, mm-hmm. and then yeah, and
1: then someone else.
0: Uh, but I think there are a lot of, of players that aren't yeah producing, and so I have I have a struggle even saying I might not get Heal against Columbus because mostly for the second part, you were saying some of his bonus points could increase against a tougher team, mm-hmm. uh, but I almost my qualifier of to a point is maybe after they've hit a little rough slump, like maybe after a couple
2: of games where they burnt me, then maybe and, I'm like, and, okay, well, maybe not. here. And I did, yeah. I did mean, try to clarify that. It depends on what else you've got. If you've got Philly at home, you're taking Montiero. If you've got Seattle at home, you're taking Jao Paulo. If you've got Sporting at home playing the way they do, you're taking Busio. Um, who else do you need? If you've got Leal at home, you're taking him. Okay, now Carlos Heal on the road versus Columbus is your fifth midfielder. Throw me another name, Lewis Morgan in form. You're taking him. Pozuelo comes back against a weak team. Um, You're taking him. Now you're looking at Carlos Hill as your fifth midfielder because you've got other names that are producing well at home, playing in favorable matchups. That's where it starts to stop being Mm fixture-proof. But again, if if you've only got a couple of those guys playing at home or you've got a couple of them or all of them are playing at home, but a couple of them have really bad matchups. That's when you start going, okay, Carlos heels bonus points are probably worth more than these other guys at home playing that it's, it's where it starts being, you stop being fixture proof and you start having to think about it. Uh, But outside of a few of those scenarios. Yeah. Carlos heels. One of those guys, like, I don't care where he's playing. He's probably in my lineup.
1: I think one thing to touch on that has stood out the most for me for point production during the first quarter of this season is defenders, offensive bonus points. If you look at, if you just look at total points, which is a very like narrow view of what you get out of fantasy, but the most important one might say, um, Carlos Hill is taking everybody, but then the next four guys are defenders. It's Kai Wanger, Smith, rolled on, Elliot, And then you get even down and you have Nuhu who Gleason's love it. And they're just racking up. It's not just shutouts. Like these guys are not just getting points from shutouts. And that's something I don't remember the last time we saw such production in such a small window from defenders offensively. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable long-term like throughout the whole course of, of the fantasy season. And I don't necessarily think, any of those guys are must owns on a week to week basis. But I think it's something that's really interesting happening is just kind of this like wing back defenders, taking set piece kicks phenomenon. That's kind of really escalating this season. Um, That is really fun from a fantasy perspective to, to get points, but not get a shutout. If that makes sense. Like obviously you pick defenders for a shutout, but we've talked a lot about not clean sheet hunting in the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, and I think that some of these defenders are really fun to go with when you're not just clean sheet hunting and they're producing all these extra bonus points and all these things. So um, that's something that I, I don't know if that is really falling into the who's in must stone, but based on. No, I think that's right. I mean, Smith, Smith is a name
0: that would probably have been close to the top for many people, but he's had a few rough rounds. Exactly.
1: And- but just paying attention to those defenders that, that fill those roles on, on teams like Seattle, Philly, uh, Nashville, um, I think is really important when you're picking people from those yeah. matchups when you like them. Yeah. That, geez, does that make sense?
2: Yeah. I, I, I almost put Kai Wagner down as a fi- fixture-proof guy because he's his, his numbers look so close, but he's not. He's mm-hmm. got two ones in there. Like when you see two ones, you can't do that. Um, Lovitz is your closest one, and Hollingshead from the lat- from two years ago was right there. Lovitz's worst score is a four, and that was against Montreal. He's got a four, a five, and then his next one's seven, and a bunch of eights. Homer sure. away, he's getting stuff. Now he's got he's got four clean sheets in there, but when you start looking at it, he's got the he's got the numbers. He's when he's not getting a clean sheet, he's getting some bonus points. I just it's really hard to say anybody's really fixture proof and defenders. I don't think will ever be get that. I don't think I'd ever give it a that tag there oh, because. Yeah. You are clean sheet hunting to an extent. If one guy gets a clean sheet, he's automatically going to be better than a guy who doesn't. You have to do Ron says that, that he hearts the four of us.
0: So oh. we're the, um, we're the ones But right the there.
2: only other name Reed, I had one name more name for you is Chicharito is really, really close this year with the no, number of, no, with the number of goals he's scored so far. I think he's close. He's got a couple of them that have knocked, knocked you down, but it's like the always captain belly. You take him, Everybody's gonna have him, and you just you kind of you kind of nah. go with it. But
1: nah. I don't know. Nah. He's kinda, I don't think. No. He's a banger bust though. I mean, he's got two. He's got a two. He's got two threes. Just an eight. Like, is that yeah. really worth it for the weeks he gets twelve and eighteen?
0: Where do you land, Jason? Are you team Chicha or are you no? Team I mean, no? I, you know, yeah. this
1: was.
2: This is, but this is
3: like going back to, I mean, I don't know how long um, Ashley's played the game, right? But play and, and Rita played long enough um, to when you did, you know, when you had to keep players for three or four weeks, right? You didn't have as many subs. You couldn't flip your team around all the time. That's where, I mean, the strategy is totally different, you know, in, in that regard um, for me, for some of those yeah. things. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, if, if, if. if if it was owning Chicharito for a while and I knew I couldn't get rid of him, sure. But especially after that last week that we just had, when everybody busted and you spent all this money. No, I'm not. I don't think besides heel, I don't know, you know, and I would say too, I mean, if you're looking at money and you're looking at, at to the point about defensive uh, uh, attacking points from defenders, right. I don't know if there's even a way to do this, but um, like this week, for example, um, I think it's Brody, this guy who plays for RSL. Right, it's not really this week, it's this round, right? Um, you know, um that go. dude like I'm not saying he's great, he doesn't have Brad Smith numbers, but you've got these defenders that are basically asked they to do the play. same thing, but they're not as they're not as expensive. So maybe maybe that's where you go. Yeah. And I would take like if I could find four of those guys or like three Brody price guys who were playing that Brad Smith role on a on a, a less yep. known team, I'll give you that, especially if they stack up in a way that I can trade, put this guy on the bench. he didn't work out, okay, another one in or whatever it is, and try and spend the money that way. Yeah. You know, but that's not the answer. That was
1: Andy Nahar last week, right? I mean, I took him because I yeah, thought they might
3: be a clean sheet and he does get up in the formation. Yeah, the way they're playing. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've, I've been wingbacks for years. That's good. Uh, and you're fantastic for, for the transitions there, <laughs> Jason. So uh, talking strategy, best strategy to maximize your double game weeks. What do you think, Jason?
3: Uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, especially this week, it's tricky. I mean, you know, you could hear Skyler. I don't know. I'd be really interested to hear Skyler because Skylar's usually going to say, you know, two bites at the apple, two bites at the apple, two bites at the apple. It's only two teams on this round, you know. Um, yeah. so I could say that over the last couple of years, and even probably this year moving forward, right this season, um, if it's a more substantial double game week, um, I'm probably going to take, take more double game week players, but I don't know, you know, in this case, I still haven't looked at the, at the, at the matchups that, that much, you know, I think it'll be between now and Saturday, I kind of want to look at all the other matchups for next weekend's games before I decide if I'm going to take, uh, six, you know, six SKC and Austin players. Um, you know, and just to determine if I'm, what I'm going to do, I don't, I don't know that I have a strategy. I change from week to week. outside, Outside of this week, like what's your general strategy for the season? Um, mostly, mostly taking double game week players who, who I think, I think for me, it's more, especially since we can, since that this change with, it's not, points collected over the two matches, and it's the best of the two. um, I definitely have taken that into account more. So in some cases, um, if I like, if I really think somebody's got one good matchup, I'll I'll put them on. Um, I don't know. I I just change from all the time. I, I can't tell you guys that I have a, I don't have a strategy for that.
0: I think I think in years past, before the change, when you were going for a double game week, you definitely were just loading up on all double gaming players. Because Skyler's right, two bites at the apple, and it's not. No. That's and you not were getting wrong. like
2: center backs
0: now, keepers. People getting yeah, yeah. didn't rotate. You, you were
2: getting four points per minute straight off the bat. Yeah.
0: You were right. You were going for guys who had high ceilings. That's what you were going for because it didn't matter if Valeri got a two when he went down to Sporting Kansas City. But whenever he played against Vancouver back at home and he scored two goals and got an assist, that's what you cared about. That's what you were going for. You didn't care about one of those games. Essentially, if you had one good game, if you got a good score, fantastic, whatever. But if I thought I was going to do well, or if you had two, two home games, you were like, yeah, for sure. Double home game. I want both of those guys. I think now even more so than in the past, you're really looking at bonus points. It's if you have the guys who can score, that, that's awesome. But if you're getting guys who have consistent bonus point generation, then those are the guys who have the higher floors that are going to give you the better shot at a big a big takeaway. Because if you're getting those assists, if you're getting those key passes, if you're getting those shots, you're more likely to get the goals and, and everything else that go along with it, not necessarily the guy on the other end. Be like maybe you were throwing in Wando, and hoping to get some poaching, some of that stuff. So, I think bonus points have become more important. I thought they weren't important in the past. Uh, so, I think for for this round, if you have double game week players, put them on your bench. That's that's just the easy way. You'll get two Aye. shots. I think there'll be plenty of single game weeks this round yep. that are worth it. Going forward, I think single game weeks are more viable now, especially if you have a guy with good bonus point potential, good XGs mm-hmm. who could score really well in his one game, even without two shots mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. at that. And so I think you can hedge your bets. It makes switcheroo's very, very hard, especially with the congested double game. that like, so we have some of those ones when you get three or four double games. Yeah. You can usually make that work, but when you have like,
2: well, I would say, guy, yeah, I mean, I would say that. Uh, no, go ahead, Blake. Go ahead. That transitions perfectly into my double game week strategy for those big weeks. rule all the way. You don't even mess with your no, That's a good point. Um, if you've got eight, ten teams playing, you want two bites at the apple. You get the guys that pick up the good bonus points. Or my other preferred strategy that goes with this is I like boomer bust players on double game weeks. You get two bites at the apple. Chicharito is a name that comes up. Toledo paid off big this year already on one of these. You get the guys that if they don't score in one game, they're probably going to score in the other. It's really easy to take forwards for this. And you're hoping for one good game out of them. And you have two chances at that one good game. And for those top-end guys that we like, Rui Diaz, Polito, Chicharito, Vell is usually in there, Joseph Martinez when he gets healthy and ready to go should be in there. You're looking for one good score out of them in the new scoring system. And that's all you need. And so you take two chances at that. And I'll take two chances at Polito getting a good score over taking somebody who may or may not score in one of the games, but isn't picking up the other stuff and read your point on bonus points is perfect for this. You're looking for Carlos heel. He's going to get you four or five bonus points in the game. If he happens to get two goals in that game, you're looking at 15, 20 points for his score for the round. That's insane. But if he doesn't, you're still getting decent bonus point production. So all around, it's it's kind of picking the bonus points, but you're really looking for the guys who could go off and you want to capitalize on one big game there. But it's – unless you've got – unless you're only looking at being able to take nine to 12 players, for four to six teams on double game weeks, you're going to be looking at auto ruse, and you really should be looking at auto ruse because it's too hard to manage that. Your single game week teams, you'd have to identify one early that has a late game and see two scores and then go be able to go switch to that. And it's not often you get to see two scores and then switch to that. You're going to be looking at a lot of your East Coast teams that are playing early in the weekend on the weekend game and then switch into somebody West Coast that's got a late game. And I just don't know if it's worth really trying to take the time to do that. I think you can, but I just I haven't found it to be very common to get that perfect setup where you can make a switch like that.
1: I think it's important to pay attention to schedule as well. So for me, when it comes to double game weeks with more than just one, um, I pay attention to who it is. So like um, Peter Vermees, Caleb Porter, Sarah VC, Brian Spencer, they rotate are coaches that rotate habitually. So there's a lot of times and we've only run into this one so far, but Brad Smith got rested Jao Paulo got rested Rui Diaz got rested so some of them paid off in the one game but when you have teams that you might like the matchup or or whatever paying attention to if that's a team that rotated heavily the last double game week for me is really important because nothing burns more than getting burned on a double game week rotation right like it's just so aggravating and then in that same token I think paying attention to those teams that are home home or away away (laughs) um i think that that plays in a lot with double game weeks and that's not like a clear lock like i'm not a hundred percent in on whatever team is home home but i think that makes a big difference when i'm looking at matchups Even no matter who it is is if they're both home home or at least one home um if i'm gonna if i'm gonna go with some double game week players
0: taking that as the transition moving on to question number six Uh, Our penultimate question How has the reintroduction of fans affected the home advantage? This comes from one of Mike's two questions he submitted. Uh, So I don't have any specific numbers about which teams have what percentages of home fans and, and their wins, all that. What I can say for this year is there have been 98 games played. Of those 98 games, the home team has earned points, either three or one from 74 of those games. Uh, they've gotten three points and 50 something of that, but uh, 76% of games, the home team has still gotten points. Now that does include uh, people our, our Canadian teams who are playing quote unquote at home right now so that those are the numbers are a little weird in what I in what I track. but um, 76% is is the home teams getting, points so far this year that's actually on par with the last couple of years it's a little bit lower usually with with the ell model yellow model that i use um for for just tracking mls stats uh, i've been sitting in the upper 70s these last couple of years it used to be in the 80s it's gone down a little bit as, as some of the things have gotten better um but it's in the upper 70s usually of, of where this sits so that that's on par with what we usually see season long uh, a couple of years ago so um, I mean, I, I say fans are going to help, but I don't think it's hurt as much as maybe people thought it might. Anybody
2: else want to throw on that? Yeah, one? I think your numbers speak for themselves. 76% 6% point conversion is what we would expect from home teams in general. Um, I really think the reintroduction of fans is only going to help slumping teams like maybe Portland who have been struggling at home. They, they need that home advantage. But they're not just struggling at home. They're struggling on the road. They're not as dominant as they once were. You give them that type of home field advantage back, and that's going to be a bigger boost for them. I know Sporting talked about it. They loved having the full stadium back. They said it really helped energize the players. Um, those, Those heavy stadiums where you expect a lot of fan pressure on the opponents, they're going to benefit more than the others. But I really think it's only going to help slumping teams significantly everybody else you're you're doing what you do whether there's fans there or not it's just yeah. when you're struggling as a team and not playing well the fans can give you that lift you're missing whereas an empty stadium you're just going to keep struggling like you normally do
1: sure. yeah I mean I think one thing that comes into play with fans here and I know we don't pick up many of these players as these Canadian teams um, you know, they, they, for some reason, still don't get fans. I would pay to go to that game if it was at. Yeah. Yeah. So, but whatever, no, no one's offered me tickets and they don't play here, but, um, I, you know, I, I think paying attention to that for the next chunk of time is, is interesting when it comes to fans, cause they're still going to not have any. And then I think there's a couple of stadiums that are going to open up and, Maybe it's just because I love a good hype, but new stadiums always bring, for teams that are at least decent going into it, always bring a bit of a rise, right? Um, and so I think that that's important to pay attention to for Columbus, for Austin. Is there another one? Am I forgetting one? Is there one more this season? No, right? Netflix? On the same token, though. Is Netflix when Netflix like opening and- a new one? We 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 did. <laughs> yeah, you, got you You did. did. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. And we, and we lost. Well, but barely, we said. Remember? It was really close.
0: There was was no New England wasn't our home game. The first one was against Miami.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you know, again. I
0: might be at the Columbus game, so.
1: There you go. We'll see. But also, like, when when NYCFC has to play in Red Bull Arena and stuff like that, I just feel like that matters, and we don't see that in a normal season. So to a certain extent, I feel like having fans helps a lot, but when you look at some of these teams that they're not quite home yet, or they're playing out of home. I'm paying attention to that in fantasy a lot.
3: I can tell you that I can tell you that that when DC United played Orlando here recently, I'm gesturing behind me because Audi Field is like out my back door. Um, yeah, this that way. way. Yeah, right there. Um, uh, it definitely helped um, throw stuff at Nani. Um, when when Nani got it, you know, should have gotten, I guess he got a record afterwards, but it helped have fans there to it throw didn't. things at him and throw things on the field for his antics.
1: Sure, yeah.
0: We do right, not right, condone right, right. throwing things at <laughs> <on> players <laughs> on the ULIS <laughs> <English> Fancy <laughs> Insider.
3: I, I said no, far enough away. I'm not disclaimer, going to be to disclaimer. disclaimer with anything that I throw.
1: Yeah. So. I think it's also a semblance of normalcy, right? Like it's it's somewhat getting back to normal and the players seem to be, like Blaine said about sporting i've seen so many quotes from players about how great it is to have the hey, fans back in those there was a pitch
3: invader that in that game last night and there did you guys see the the guy who tried to like jump in mm-hmm. front of the broadcast group and then like mm-hmm. bailed out oh man
1: spectacular yeah, i hope that guy
3: was okay cuz
1: why would you why would you do that near Clint Dempsey or yeah, I mean, how, how, how big exactly. is this He's at least like 6 6 you don't need security with those
0: I always love it when you have the fans who are sitting near like the cameras with the speakers and the microphones going. And so like every now and then, like you're watching a game. I was. This happened when I was watching the Seattle game, actually. I was like, I heard some guy yell, I paid a lot of money to come see
1: you lose.
0: And I was like, I love it. That was
1: Spencer. Did you hear him? No.
0: <laughs> maybe. maybe was I was waiting like, for you. He, all. Was,
1: he doesn't chant that. He does have a lot more profanities than them. <laughs>
0: All right and our final question for the night also from Mike Star Wars question worked one fun one in at the end of the show uh which smaller not necessarily minor, but which smaller Star Wars character needs their own Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike says he thinks it should be Iden Verso, who was uh, the father from, from Rogue uh-huh. One. Um, oh,
1: yeah.
0: I, I will go last because I have several. So I'll go first
1: because uh, I'm assuming this question was for me specifically, <laughs> right? right? That's right, yes. So I joked with this, my husband is is on par with with you all with his fandom. Um, but I was serious, and people have said this for a long time, that I would love to see someone else in the Ewok world and just kind of elaborate on them in a better animatronic way. Because we can do that now. Everybody loves loves those characters. I remember as a kid thinking they were so great. I would just love to see them come back in a in a more sophisticated role they they can't have their own movie because i'm not reading those subtitles but i would love to see (laughs) a show where they feature and then um my husband said that he thinks that he would like to see an origin story about darth maul um and how he went bad um because we aren't seeing a ton of content coming from in his words from the dark side and that he finds that Inter- just as interesting sometimes, so that is my official Star Wars contingent answer. There we go.
0: No.
2: Blame. Yeah, everybody's favorite, Drunken Master dark Star thinks.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> do a real one. Yeah,
2: Blaine. no, that's that's the fan fiction one. That if you haven't read okay. it, Darth Star thinks is fantastic. Okay. um but nobody at Star Wars was creative enough to actually come up with that one. That had to be fans. No, I I would love a show kind of centered around four characters, but I want to see Yoda, Yoda Dooku, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan, and that lineage come through. Because yeah, there is yeah. a whole side of the Jedi Council and the Jedi Order that you comes out with Dooku in some of the books. And I think as a as a pseudo political commentary around these characters, I think you could show a lot of different viewpoints of the Jedi rather than just what we see in the movies. And I think that would be fantastic as a show. Um, I don't know if you could do it without Christopher Lee anymore. (laughs) I just, he is so important to that character, but I would love to see them try. And then the other one I want to see if we go if we stay light side is I want to see Bail Organa and Mon Mothma get a small series about building the rebellion.
3: Yeah, okay. Those two would be fun. Out. And
2: then Reed, you, I won't steal your favorite one because I know you've got to say it at the end. But uh, more about Tarkin and his takeover. He's been shown mm-hmm. a lot in some of the animated stuff with Clone Wars. Uh, Bad Batch has got a little bit of him. I just. I think Tarkin has been more of a central figure behind the scenes and him getting his own show, even if it's an animated form would be fantastic.
0: The Tarkin book is excellent. So if no one's, if no one's read that, I highly recommend the, the Tarkin book. No, that's a, that's a good one, Blaine, the, the Bale and, and Mon Mothma. That could, be, that could be interesting for sure. Okay. Jason,
3: um, I've given it some thought while you guys were talking during the show. Um, I, as uh, I've told Blaine and, um, and read this before, I broke up with the Star Wars franchise after episode seven and after Disney said that all of the expanded universe books that I think I consider kind of canon, that was over, they were going to rewrite everything. So I, I'm going to go for some deep cuts. Well, mostly deep cuts. So um, uh, Admiral Akbar, I think it'd just be cool to get a backstory and to see Mon Cal, like to see the home world. I would like to see that on a screen. Um, So Talon Card from some of the old, you know, original expanded universe books. I think it'd be just kind of interesting to see. I don't know what Talon Card does. It's kind of like this kind of classy, you know, international gangster guy. Um, And the other two, um, there's a character named Droma. I think his name is Droma. And he gets introduced in um whatever we're talking when they're when everybody's fighting the extragalactic species he basically becomes chewbacca after chewbacca gets killed right um so that's a deep cut i'd like to see what's happening with droma and then i'd like to learn more about the jedi that jason solo um learns from when he's captured like the woman who kind of trains him and you see bits and pieces of that in the same um whatever that series is right i can't remember what it is yeah, He's involved. He's involved. yeah. The, I can't remember what that woman's name is, the 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 Jedi who kind of trains Jason when he gets captured by the Yusan Vaughn. But um I think that'd be kind of neat. So those are my those are my thoughts. We're
2: getting some, way, some Jason, pushback from the camera in the chat. But. Before you the for Mike. Yeah. Jason, before you get there, have you seen the Cartoon Network Clone Wars? I've seen bits and pieces. I need to watch the whole thing. Okay. There is a big feature on the Mon Cal in there. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I'll check it out. So for me, I was trying
0: to think about a lot of, of what's already out there. I mean, I know there's lots of comic stuff. I know there's lots of book stuff. We have cartoons and things. And so I was trying to think, uh, and, and lots of these people have bits and pieces covered. I know the Star Wars from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view, have a lot of short stories that, that sort of bring in these characters, which, which is cool. Uh, but Mike was talking about Disney Plus series. And so these people don't have series and maybe there's not enough content extra content yet to really make a series. So I'm going to have to go with the first one, Cobb Vanth, um, who is that the fake Mandalorian from Mandalorian Season 2. Hashtag spoilers. You shouldn't have a spoiler by now. Uh, Cob, Cobb Vanth has a pretty cool, from what I know, about some of his actual backstory and some of the other books and bits and pieces. I think that would be a cool show. Maybe not as long as some of these other ones, but a little mini show. I, I think Cobb Vanth has a cool story. Uh, a classic one I'm going to go with, Biggs Darklighter. Uh, Luke's buddy we don't see uh, we know that he's he's made that turn he dies in episode four I think there's some extra stuff we could see maybe maybe saw a little bit of him in Rebels I know we saw some of Wedge in there but um, get a little bit of Biggs that could be fun to maybe see some of of Biggs when he was doing some of his I think he was with the uh, Terriffian Aces before he anyway I think some of Biggs in there Um, the Rogue One Commando so those commandos that come in and land with Rogue One uh, in in that movie, I think there's got to be some kind of story there. And they have a book called Twilight Squad that basically follows a rebel army unit in some of their actions. And I thought that was really cool. Just it's a different side of Star Wars. We see this mystical side, but I've always liked just the the, the real, the grunts, the normal people side. And so I think a, a show that sort of followed the the Rogue One commandos, maybe maybe Band of Brothers esque type that would be kind of fun for me to see that in the star wars universe um lore Santeca, he's the old man at the beginning of episode seven and i could you know there's something more there even though there's nothing more after that that you really need to care about because the disney movies are bad but but that could be something cool just to sort of explore this this weird old man that just popped up and had some knowledge and then you don't know why uh, and then and then finally, I'm going to say General Anton Merrick. I'm not saying Wedge Antilles Blaine because I don't consider Wedge a small character in Star no, Wars. No, I love him thinking Wedge. Um, okay. Um, but I would say General Anton Merrick, who was blue leader at the battle in Rogue One when they attacked. Uh, I just think those pilots and those people are cool, and there could definitely be some cool backstories. Maybe this gets worked into some of that Rogue Squadron series that could be coming up. Um, but that's what I got right there.
2: I can't believe you didn't say Thrawn.
0: Thrawn is not a minor, small character. So yeah, but there he, we go. That's
2: but
0: he, He's not a small character.
2: He's not a small character, the, but, but he doesn't have enough. Smaller
0: screen time. Star Wars character. So I, I could give you that Disney Plus show, show. Yes, if 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 that was a possibility to have a, a Thrawn Disney Plus show, I would be all about it, that. But he is not a small Star Wars Here's
2: your missing character. premise for the Disney Plus show, though. It's The Empire was a bunch of old white dudes. They're intended to be old white dudes. So we're going to put a blue dude yeah. in there. Well, no, in, in, in the expanded universe, the old canon, there was a lot of distrust by the other admirals for this blue guy coming in because it was right. a very racist tropey type of group. And so it Thrawn's rise to power and how he gets to where he is when you see him in Rebels, that's the story that's missing and how he overcomes some of this, for lack of a better word, white supremacy in the empire is hugely important
0: yeah well that's there's two things with there one of them i'm going to touch on one of them i'm not going to get into and then we're going to wrap the show up one of them is all of that's already covered in the thrawn books and so that's already there and and with books there's this image and world i've already created in my head that i don't necessarily need the disney plus show to give me their spin on to try to replace what's already in my mind and, and two, I don't need a Disney Plus show trying to do political commentary on things going on today. I don't like media when it tries to make me think about things that are going on. My media consumption is escapist, which I hope this show is for a lot of people. And so uh, I'm not interested in that from a Thrawn show. So, uh, MLS Fantasy Boss sponsored by Disney Plus. I take it I mean, for sure, Yeah. yes. Uh, but that was it. That was just our fun little little aside there at the end. Uh, longer somehow this episode I thought would run short ran long. there's so one game. You, there's, one there's one game. there's one game. This one game. One one game. So there, so there will the definitely season. be cuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will definitely edit part yeah. of this. Uh, probably I'll just get rid of the whole first segment when I put this on the podcast because we'll do that again next week anyway. So you'll just get segments two or three if you've been listening on the podcast. Um, Don't you? Dare maybe just segment
1: three. I know you want. to keep
0: the e-books. Return the Jedi is my favorite. So <laughs> it's all good. Yup. Yup. Uh, let's, let's do, let's do our plugs, Jason.
3: Okay. My plugs. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. got him. Okay. So first, um, father's day is coming up. So I just have to give a shout out to my dad because my dad got me into playing soccer when I was a kid, you know, um, growing up in rural Texas in the early 1980s. So shout out to my dad. Um, if anybody's interested in Texas soccer coverage, the Striker Texas um, is an online uh, portal. Um, they do some good work. Um, Ashley's got Switch the Pitch to represent, but I've been trying to read more of uh, the coverage that they give to DC United. And finally, um, I just started listening to the Crack podcast, which is Demarcus Beasley and Guchan Yewo's podcast. Um, they, they're into their second season now, but I just started the first season, um, so i think Think it's fantastic. They just did a big interview with Jeff Cameron. It's like the first one that I listened to. Um, so very different kind of content than you're going to get from, say, you know, listening to the ETR and that kind of stuff. But it was, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was that was spot on. So I'll keep listening. That's what I got.
2: Check that out. Yeah. Blaine. Um, nothing for me this week. Ashley.
1: I'll shout out Father's Day because uh, the, my baby daddy, also husband, <laughs> got me into fantasy nine years ago. So I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys if it wasn't for that cool dad. So I'll I'll echo Jason on that. That one's fun. We don't do fun mm-hmm. ones, we do real ones. So I liked that.
0: Mm-hmm. that's right well yeah you upstaged us all with that <laughs> uh so I'll do, I'll do the real ones uh mlsfantasyboss.com over to the mlsfantasyboss discord r slash fantasy mls over at reddit fantastic communities fantastic people uh they are why i keep doing this uh, you guys are just an amazing group to be a part of uh, thank you so much for for listening and just being a part of that so if you want to know more if you want to get more involved check out it's check out especially the discord Uh, But MLS Fantasy Boss and the Reddit as well also have great resources and communities for you to be a part of for all of your fantasy needs. So with that being said, yub yub and good
1: luck.